you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer this is affordable interior design the podcast here's your host betsy Hellman. guys i am so excited to share something with you so this will come as no surprise to some of you who've been listening for a while and know that every quarter i go to chicago for a business workshop i love interior design But equally, I love entrepreneurship. I love becoming a better business owner. I love determining how I spend my days. I love that the more I work on myself, the more I become a better human, more efficient, more compassionate, more plugged in, a better listener, that I'm able to use those skills, that sort of personal development, to turn it into profit, right? Because the business you own or run is only as evolved and only as successful as you personally are. And that's not the case for people who work in jobs, right? Who are employees. For instance, my husband works for a company that's so great. Its values, its mission statement are amazing, but you know, he's not necessarily incentivized to work on himself, to grow his own And I'm not just talking about skills, right? Because a lot of companies pay for you to take extra education or to enhance your software skills or things like that. I'm talking about deep personal work. The more reflective, introspective, purpose-driven I become, the more clarity I can give to my business and the people who work for me. And that is just so empowering. So I love that You know, I can take all those podcasts I listen to from Martha Beck to Glennon Doyle, all that personal transformation work, all this sort of inner listening and optimizing your passion and your purpose and immediately apply those skills to my working world. Like, how can we work more efficiently? How can we have better work-life balance? How can I make sure that everyone in my organization is operating from a place of passion and purpose so that nobody's just at a job for a paycheck? I'm really allowing them to live their best life, to turn their personal unique ability into something that's profit for them and their family. It's really exciting. And the one thing that was illuminating for me, because 
you know, I make entrepreneurship sound so exciting and shiny and whatever, but it is a true roller coaster where every day has the highest highs and some of the lowest lows. And it can be so lonely, especially when you're um, a solopreneur in the fact that you don't have a business partner, you don't have any sort of um, other person who has skin in the game, who's putting themselves out there in terms of risk. Uh, you're kind of the the one who's got it all on the line, even if you have a lot of people to support you. You're the one that stays up at night and worries. You're the one that, you know, has to row the boat and your decisions make or break your team members' lives. And, and that's a lot on your shoulders. So of course, it does help to do personal work. But also, it can mean that your days can be just as unfulfilling as if you are an employee sometimes because you have to do all the things, you know, from sales tax to, um, you know, payroll to making sure that the IT is working, making sure that the automations are firing, that the newsletter is going out on time. It's a lot of logistics. And I just became an entrepreneur because I liked picking out pillows. And I spend very little time picking out pillows and a lot more time dealing with human resources, sales calls, etc. But I realized the other day, when you get to a certain place in your career as an entrepreneur, if you're not following your dreams, it's a choice you're making. And that's really my biggest takeaway from my recent trip to Chicago uh, and my recent workshop. I realized that if I would have told Betsy 25-year-old Betsy who started her own business just as a hobby, was still, you know, dancing on the bar and waiting tables. I was working at like a Coyote Ugly style bar. So I did dance on the bar and do body shots to pay for a van to go to Ikea to help my clients. Uh, it was a weird time. And I really never thought that this would be my full-time career. Even when I was doing that back then, I thought, oh, I'm kind of pursuing my artistic passion in a way that I've seen on TV, and I'm making it work because I'm supplementing my income with this great bartending job, and you know, let's just see what happens. I'm bravely following my curiosity and passion. But if you would have told 25-year-old Betsy that she'd own her own company, she'd have a husband, she'd have the two kids, she'd have the dog, she'd have the house, I mean, that was the dream. That was the dream. And um, sometimes you just keep reaching and just keep striving and just keep thinking outside yourself versus saying, hey, I'm at the top of the mountain. I've arrived where I would want to have been at 25. And for all intents and purposes, I'm feeling really good where I am. I rarely stop and celebrate my wins. I rarely stop and look at my vantage point from the mountain and say, you know what? I'm already at the peak here. And any choices I make from here, while there's still a lot to do and there's a lot of logistics and it's not easy running a business, any choices I make from here, I'm either choosing to move away from my dreams or towards them. So one of my dreams ever since I started this workshop four years ago was to pick my kids up off the bus and then to hang out with them after school. And back when I started this workshop four years ago, there was no way that was possible. I was very understaffed. I was working night and day, 
80 hours a week. There was just no way. It was a huge leap. Plus I had a storefront and it was kind of far from home and having them come to the storefront was fine, but it was also pretty distracting because I had all my work in front of me. So it was very difficult to say, I'm just going to be present with my kids and not answer the phone. But now that I'm in a little cottage in the back of our house, I can literally shut the door to my cottage, pick them up from the bus and go sit with them in the kitchen and do their homework with them. And I'm not making that choice, even though that's my dream. And it's just a matter of making that choice. So how many of you are in that place where now you not making a dream come true is on you? Maybe you're avoiding it, right? Maybe it's just inconvenient to change your life around. But you know, I realized I want to start painting at nights. That's easy enough. Now I have a place to paint. I have the paints. I have canvas. I'm the one who's not making the choice to live my dreams, right? My choice is preventing me from reaching goals versus me not being able to reach goals because of outside circumstances, which was so the case when I was 25. It was so the case four years ago. But now I'm in a different place. And if I want to realize those things I've been thinking about, it's just about changing my schedule. Or saying, this is a priority for me. I'm not going to push it to the side anymore. And that's kind of liberating. Uh, and I really hadn't seen it from that vantage point. But if, you've, if you're the kind of person like me who's always like, what's the next thing? What should I be striving for? Never stopping to celebrate your current wins. Never stopping to say, hey, this would have been success for me at 25. And that's pretty cool then I highly recommend that you stop thinking you're on Mount Everest and just have to get to the next, next mile marker or flag or whatever that looks like. And instead, you are at the top of the mountain. You have arrived where you've always wanted to be. Now just play. Now just explore. Now just do more of what you love. And now turn your dreams into choices versus them still being dreams outside of yourself. There's so much we can do these days with social media, with YouTube. Even if your dreams feel lofty, like writing a book, you can self-publish. I mean, there's just so much that's completely within our control right now. And it's just choices. And that's what I realized at my most recent workshop. And, you know, even though it's not completely design related, I wanted to bring it back to you. All right. So what dreams are you avoiding? Because you're just making different choices. Something to think about. Okay. Let's think about other things like your design questions. I'm going to dig into my mailbag. I have some great ones that are here. The first one comes from Kara, and she's writing from Midcoast, Maine. All right, Kara writes, Hi, Betsy. I've worked through my feelings about you taking advantage of the housing bubble and accepting that highest offer. <laughs> Mostly kidding. Because let me say that being a first-time homebuyer this year was not fun. We had to spend so much money and had few choices and no rental options. We also had to move because we were completing military service. We ended up finding a house and many things about it are great, but it does need some work. My question for you is before the interior design part, we don't know what the functions of the rooms are. In particular, we don't know where to put our living room or our home gym. I've been listening to your podcast aggressively, but I don't think you've covered gyms. Our furniture pieces are secondhand and cast off from others. Nothing we're attached to. So please don't get upset by these pictures. We will buy some nicer things eventually. However, we both love to work out and that is important to us. We are thinking about putting a gym in one half of the large room with the fireplace and it has a view out to the backyard. 
my partner purchased a larger TV and our idea is to remove part of the mantle to bring down the height and place the TV there. We would have a living room in two thirds of the room and a gym in one third. The TV could slant towards whichever function is currently being used. Is this bad? Will the house hate us for this? It seems to be a bit fancier than we are. I've attached pictures of the larger fireplace room and also the room where we currently have the TV, which is okay, but it's a bit cramped. We would make this my partner's office slash den. Apologies for my dog invading every picture. Thanks for your tips and advice and for being so down to earth and personable, Kara. Well, Kara, thanks for writing. Thanks for listening. And thanks for sitting in these pictures. You are right. You know, I don't talk about home gyms. I do design them a lot, but I guess people just don't write in with questions about them. And I really let your questions drive the content of the episodes. So bear that in mind. Uh, I'm looking at these pictures. And guys, if you want to look at these pictures, I would suggest heading over to our YouTube channel. Affordable Interior Design has a YouTube channel. And we post all of the pictures there, as well as you can see my face, right? Because um, I know as a podcast listener, I have all these imaginings about what the broadcaster looks like, what the host looks like. And whenever I go on YouTube and see what they actually look like, I'm shocked. I'm like, no way. You were not blonde. I totally had you as a redhead in my mind with like, you know, you build them up or or you have this totally different vision. The biggest one for me has been um, Phoebe from Criminal. Oh my gosh. She has this really compelling voice. So amazing. And then I watched her, a recording of her, I don't know, on their social media or something. And it was just so dissonant. I could not put the face to the voice and I still can't. Isn't that funny? Okay. Anyway, uh, it's a very good podcast, by the way. Okay. Let's dig into your question. So basically, you're wanting to move your home gym into the living room. And that is not something I would advise. Now, I'm going to tell you why, but this is your dream house. This is your forever home. And the most important thing with a home gym is that it get used. So if the only way for it to get used is for you to put it in the living room, by all means. But if this is your living room where you would bring guests, where you would entertain, where you would watch TV at night, would I want it in my living room? Absolutely not. Now, the reason is not because I wouldn't want to like walk on the treadmill while I watch TV. It's because all that equipment looks bad. You know, it's black, it's silver, it's heavy looking. It doesn't set a great stage for just everyday living. Now, when and if I have my own furniture line, maybe I'll make like some beautiful treadmills or beautiful um ellipticals or whatever that are more aesthetically pleasing and come in colors that are less bold and conspicuous and ugh, right? Uh, like, wouldn't it be fun to have a taupe treadmill or like a navy exercise bike or just something a little more subtle and sophisticated than black or silver? Uh, and don't get me started on the look of the Pelotons. I cannot. Like, could we please get a beautiful light gray Peloton that's got like some, a grage, a grage, something like that. Anyway, 
they just don't look good right now. And so I would not put them in the living room. In fact, what I would be thinking about is, you know, could they be in that office space? Would they fit in the office space? Or, you know, I don't see the entire floor plan. I'm just seeing pictures of these rooms. Is it possible that potentially this gym equipment, if it goes in the husband's office space, then you could put his office space in here and it could be somewhat concealed behind the couch. I just think that it's bringing down the vibe. And I also think that based on the current layout, the TV would be perpendicular to the gym equipment. Meaning when you do pull out this massive TV, it's going to need to be quite angled, it's going to need to be at least like a 90 degree angle off the wall above the fireplace for you to see it. And then you're going to see that huge mechanism in the back. It's going to be a lot to pull over. Now you guys love to work out, so it's not going to be hard for you physically, but it's going to look really bad. I'm not a fan. The big black mat. Ugh. Ugh. Unless you're going for like super industrial chic. It's not the vibe I would want in my living room. Uh, So, I mean, that's a quick answer. I wish I could spread it out a little bit more, but it's a big no for me. It's a big no for me. And I want to encourage you to work out. It's a big no for me. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, Beautifying Your Home for Less, Styling Your Home, and The Fundamentals of Feng Shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock-filled with visuals and tips, things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. Okay, let's move to my next question. My next question is coming from, let's see here. I think this is Kara again. Kara again. Uh, but here she has a question. Hi, Betsy. I'm really enjoying listening to your podcast. And I purchased your book, which I hope I will get soon. I submitted a question about my gym and my living room recently. You sure did. You just did. And I love getting to know you more and answering this next question. You continue. I could use your ideas around shopping. I hate shopping. I worry about wastefulness and get very anxious about labor practices and environmental impacts. I sometimes get stuck doing tons of research and then never buying anything. 
Often I end up doing a secondhand thing for this reason, but I'd like to buy a few things for the house that are new that we actually bought. Do you have any go-to brands that you can recommend or ideas so I can feel less worried and enjoy decorating our house more? Thank you so much, Kara. All right, Kara, for most of my clients, I buy only new things because buying used things or buying like antiques are very difficult because there's only one of them, right? So if they sell out before my client can get to them, we have no options. So at my design firm, I shop exclusively retail which does lead to waste, right? Now, when I'm looking for something environmentally friendly, I look for pieces that say they have that um, California standard approved, right? Because California appears to have the strongest sort of environmental policies for furniture. And you can find pieces that meet those California standards at places like Pottery Barn, West Elm, Williams-Sonoma, Wayfair. You just want to look at the fine print. So that way you can make sure you're not getting that formaldehyde or those other sort of chemicals that are often found in more affordable type furniture pieces. Um, in terms of stores, I use a huge mix, and it's very dependent on my client's budget as well as their style. And when I'm shopping for them, I don't always think about the environmental impact. You know, it's more about how they're going to get rid of the pieces that they already have, whether they're donating, whether they're selling them on Facebook Marketplace. And, you know, with my personal clients, they're not obligated to buy the pieces I recommend. So if they do want to wait to find something similar or the exact same piece on Facebook Marketplace or Cherish or, you know, first dibs, that's completely up to them. For me personally, I usually in the past have just bought retail with a sprinkling of some older pieces that align with my style. In my last home, it was very mid-century modern, so I was able to buy a few true mid-century modern pieces from that era. And then, of course, mid-century modern is such a popular contemporary look right now that I was able to easily fold in those retail pieces. It all looked super cohesive. And I was moving from a small apartment in Brooklyn, so I needed additional pieces. Nothing went to waste. I was able to reuse everything from our apartment, but in different rooms. Now, when I moved to this house, this house is so antique and has such a different vibe, like there's no mid-century modern going on organically in this house, that a lot of what I selected for my previous house just isn't going to fly, right? It had silver metal finishes. Uh, this house is very brass, very bronze. Um, I just wanted sort of that fresh start, especially because those previous pieces had been around since my kids were like three and four, and they'd seen better days. So I totally understand the desire to want to be more eco-friendly, but I think the main thing is how you get rid of your pieces. When I was moving out of our space in Dobbs Ferry, uh, that mid-century modern type vibe, I gave away a lot on the Buy Nothing Facebook page. I am a huge fan of the Buy Nothing Facebook pages from your personal area. I immediately join whenever I move and I am very active because I hate buying things like cleats for my son for his um, many sports adventures because he outgrows them so quickly and only uses them for a short time that they're not even really fully used and they are so expensive. 
So for sporting equipment, for um, really everything and anything, including moving boxes, buy nothing was just a godsend. And so I think of it as truly paying it forward when I gave away almost everything from our past house. I didn't really sell any of it. I gave it all away on buy nothing because I wanted to just in gratitude, thank everyone for how wonderful they'd been to me. And then it allowed me to purchase new things um, that felt really perfect for this house versus having to compromise all the time. So I admire your eco-friendly stance. And I think it's really important to do a mix if that's the style you're going for. But if it's not the style you're going for, I'd rather you just have pieces that you really love, that you're really excited about. And sometimes that means investing a little bit more so that you don't change the piece out too soon. Because when we do buy super cheapy stuff, sometimes it means that it's going to return to the landfill sooner. I mean, we don't even want to give away really cheapy stuff, right? So it means that it's going to... um, be more trash, more waste than value in the long run. So these are all things to think about, Kara. But but the bottom line is I don't have one go-to store that I'm just always looking at because no one store does everything right. So if you're saying, Betsy, where can I find a mid-century style sofa that's high quality? Well, I could certainly point you in the direction of my personal favorite store is Room and Board right? But I really need that specific thing and that specific price point as well as the style to know exactly where to direct you. So don't hesitate to write me more questions, Kara. I love answering them. All you have to do is send your questions. Go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. There you'll see a form to submit your question with any pictures you might have, and I will answer them on an upcoming episode. Until next time, guys. Bye. You've asked for it, and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, You're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. 
If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.